0: It's Booklist Shelf Care, the podcast, where we talk about readers' advisory, reference, and collection development right into your little ears. I'm Susan McGuire, coming to you from the beginning of 2021. We did it! We're doing it! Anyway, look, a lot of people have expressed much more eloquently than I can what it has meant to live through these trying times. So to mangle the words of Dr. Seuss, don't be sad that it happened be glad that it's over. And honestly, it was a great year for books. There were so many good reading experiences. Booklist January issue is all about the editor's choice. And from the context clues, I bet you can see that these are the editor's choices for the best books of the year. Now, in previous years, I have charmingly but bossily gathered my fellow editors together to discuss a few highlights from the list. But this year, you know, unprecedented and all that stuff. So each of my colleagues sent in a voice note about editor's choice, favorites from the list, books that deserve an additional shout out, hot trends, etc. And here they are. Please enjoy these bookish testimonies from Donna Seaman, Sarah Hunter, Heather Booth, Ronnie Curry, Susan McGuire, that's me, y'all, Julia Smith, Annie Bostrom, and Maggie Regan. And, great news... All of the titles we talk about will be listed in, say it with me, the show notes on booklistonline.com slash shelf hyphen care.
1: Let's do it. Hello, dear book and library lovers. I'm Donna Seaman, adult books editor for Booklist, and I'm happy to be talking about our 2020 adult books Booklist editor's choice. Every year at this time, we try to cover our full reviewing spectrum as we select the year's best of the best. This time around, we chose nearly 70 titles, and from those, we chose the the top-of-the-list winners. So I'll start with those exceptional titles. The the top-of-the-list winner in nonfiction is Wandering in Strange Lands, A Daughter of the Great Migration Reclaims Her Roots by Morgan Juergens, published by Harper. Journalist and writer Jerkins takes readers along on her journey from New Jersey to Georgia and South Carolina to Louisiana, Oklahoma, and California in a search of the truth about her family, much of which she writes has been characterized by whispers and silences. We also accompany Jerkins on her inner quest to determine and understand all of the historical currents that converged to bring her into a world that offered her no ready place. No respectively specified identity. Jurgens' curiosity, candor, and emotional and spiritual intensity are enthralling. Her story enlightening. We chose a compelling, consistently surprising first novel for our top of the list winner: "These Ghosts Are Family" by Macy Card, published by Simon and Schuster. A novel by a librarian that plays in fascinating harmony with wandering in strange lands and its dramatization of painful family secrets and relationships deeply complicated by the heritage of enslavement and the rupture of immigration. The Catalyst for Librarian and Writer Card's multi-generational saga is a big lie. As a Jamaican man assumes the identity of a friend who dies in an accident, then starts a new life in New York, and every character, every setting, and every predicament is powerful and provocative. So, that would have been it for our adult top-of-the-list titles if this year was like years past, but things have changed, and in a good way. Booklist has added a new top-of-the-list category, Graphic Novels, one for adults, the other for youth. So it is now my pleasure to name the first top-of-the-list graphic novel's adult winner, Year of the Rabbit, illustrated by Tian Viana, illustrated by Haga Dasher, and published by Drawn and Quarterly. It's one thing to read about the horrors of Pol Pot's Khmer Rouge in 1970s Cambodia. It's quite another to see one survivor's illustrated account of his family's ordeal. Artist Viasna's first book is a powerfully detailed graphic work of personal and world history, recounting the absolute worst of humanity in contrast to altruism, resiliency, and rescue. There are other award winners on our best of the year list, including the six Andrew Carnegie Medals for Excellence short list titles. I have to name them. Fathoms by Rebecca Giggs. Just Us by Claudia Rankin. And Memorial Drive by Natasha Trethaway. Those are the nonfiction titles. The Carnegie Fiction finalists are A Burning by Meja Mujamdar, Deacon King Kong by James McBride, and Homeland Elegies by Ayad Akhtar. The Carnegie winners for nonfiction and fiction will be announced at the Reference and User Services Association's Book and Media Awards virtual event on Thursday, February 4th, 3 to 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. It's free and open to all. Please register online. Don't miss it. I could happily talk about many more Editor's Choice titles, but I'm going to call out a few personal favorites. I am an avid reader of artist biographies, and I've read many books about Frida Kahlo, and I was thrilled to find so much new information and fresh insights into this deeply creative and radically autobiographical artist in Frida in America, The Creative Awakening of a Great Artist. This is by Celia Starr from St. Martin's. I claim Rebecca Solnit as a mentor, and her memoir and essays, Recollections of My Non-Existence from Viking, is a revelation, as she writes with exceptional directness about what women routinely face in a world habitually hostile towards women in ways insidious and violent. This is also a very moving book about what it takes to become and survive as a woman writer. Poet and scholar Kevin Young is another original and brilliant writer I've followed for a long time to enlightening effect. And he has brought all his literary expertise and panache and passion to an essential anthology that belongs in every collection. African-American Poetry, 250 Years of Struggle and Song. This is from Library of America. And finally, staying with my guiding light theme, I'll call out Louise Erdrich's latest novel in her grand and defining cycle of Chippewa tales, The Night Watchman from Harper. The Night Watchman is one of her most mysterious and beautiful novels, perhaps because the title character is based on her grandfather. Thanks for listening to my booklist editor's choice rave. Stay well, read on, and recommend lavishly.
2: Hi, Susan. This is Sarah Hunter, editor of the Books for Youth and Graphic Novels section. And I'm telling you about my favorite books in our Editor's Choice list from 2020. So as the editor of the Graphic Novels section, I obviously have a lot of love for the graphic novels that we picked this year. A couple of my absolute favorites were The Magic Fish, and that's from Random House Graphic, which is a new imprint this year. It's about a Vietnamese-American boy who is sharing fairy tales with his mom. And Trung Lee Nguyen, the artist and writer, does an awesome job of drawing all of these fairy tales in like different time periods in Vietnam. Love the art, love the story, really awesome visual metaphors. Just really like spoke to me about the power of stories And it also just like it's the the kind of graphic novel that you can just sink into and let envelop you, which I think is so lovely. Another one I really loved was Dungeon Critters by Sarah Getter and Natalie Reese. That one is from First Second, and it is just like this happy, fun romp with a team of animals who are going on a quest and saving a king from a conspiracy to overthrow him. It's full of like funny quips and lots of action and fighting and monsters. And it was just such a joy to read. I had so much fun reading it. And that's why I put that one on our list for this year. And then another one I really loved is Daniel Neri's Everything Sad is Untrue, which is from Levine Carido, which is also a new imprint. That one is about, well, it's hard to describe. My favorite thing about it is the narrative voice, which is really sort of like fractured and halting. And it's constantly looping back on itself and revealing new things about the character and his past in a way that like helps tell the story. Not just like the narrative helps tell the story because that's what narrative does, but like the tone of the narrative contributed something to the overall plot as a whole, which I thought was really incredible. It's a really difficult book to describe. It does things that I don't see very many other books for youth doing. And it really, really stuck out to me. And I really enjoyed reading that one, even though it was often difficult. But it was a really inventive novel, and really moving and full of like, lots of funny moments and lots of sad moments and a lot of triumphant moments too. And I really, I think that one's going to linger in my brain for a long time. So those are three of my favorite picks. I liked so many of the books we included this year, but those three in particular are really like sticking out to me when I look at the list that we picked. Thanks, Susan. Hope you're having a good day.
3: Hello, this is Heather Booth. I am Booklist's audio section editor, and I'm here to talk a little bit about some great picks from the Editor's Choice audio lists. There are two of them in audio. We have one for adults, and we have one for youth. Something from the youth list that I think is worth a listen, Before the Ever After by Jacqueline Woodson. This is read by Guy Lockhart, and it is from Listening Library. Something Lockhart does that's really notable in this with his voice work is he's able to use the tone and the delivery in his voice to really bring to life the main character's father and the way he changed from before he had a traumatic brain injury to the way he is now living with this condition. I feel like this is the kind of performance that can make real for young listeners. The impact of a disorder like this Not just on the character who is living it, but through the rest of the family that needs to come to terms with a new way of life dealing with the impact of this condition. Another great listen. Very different change in tone here. I Killed Zoe Spanos by Kit Frick. This is read by a full cast which I think really works in this book because you're dealing with different perspectives and it's a thriller. You don't really always know what one character knows and what the other one doesn't. The other thing that's notable about this in this full cast presentation is a series of fully produced podcast episodes. So the podcast is worked into the story. There is a true crime thread that goes through this fictional story, but bringing in the true crime podcast and producing the podcast and including it in the audiobook itself really, I think, brings it full circle and lets listeners kind of take a second thought about how this true crime craze impacts victims of crime and the accused, and also it's just really well done. It's a really great audiobook to listen to with a very thoughtfully produced podcast element. The last title from the youth list that I want to talk about is This Is Your Time by Ruby Bridges, read by the author and produced by Listening Library. Ruby Bridges herself, reading this book, brings it to life in such a wonderful way. Uh, as the cultural icon that she is, as a symbol of the civil rights movement, I think it's all too easy for young listeners and even more seasoned listeners to think of her not as a living, breathing, live person who is still active today in the movement and in education circles, but hearing her voice can really resonate and bring that home. We're hearing her words in her voice, we're hearing her philosophy of life, and I think that that can really go a long way in making her story and her hopes for the future real. Over on the adult side of the list, I want to start by highlighting my mother's house, which is produced by Books on Tape and read by a full cast made up of Janina Edwards, Karen Chilton, and Dion Graham. So in this book, the house itself is a character, and Dionne Graham is the narrator who performs that character. This is a haunting, difficult, really thought-provoking and sometimes hard to listen to book, but with this cast, it's really, really an interesting way of bringing this story to life. Graham as the house is just unforgettable. It's really a standout performance that I think is definitely, should put it high on anybody's list who's an audiobook fan. In a definite change of tone, another one I want to highlight here is by Macmillan. It's called The Switch. And this, I think, is an, another great example of how two narrators this time, Alison Stedman who is in gobs and gobs of stuff as a film and stage actress, most notably in my memory as the um, Mrs. Bennett in the BBC version of Pride and Prejudice, and Daisy Edgar-Jones from Hulu's Normal People. This is one of edgar Jones's first audiobooks that she's narrated, and They are from different generations. They're reading a grandmother and a granddaughter at very different points in their life. And it's a humorous story. It's a little bit romantic. And they both bring such gravitas and such respect to these characters who are in kind of a funny, quirky situation, which I think is such a nice thing to see and hear performers bring as much of a backstory and as much of a knowledge of their character to a lighter story as you might often see in a more serious dramatic performance. The final book that I want to talk about from this really great list where every book on the list I think is definitely worth a listen, but the last one that I'm going to talk about here is narrated by Johnny Heller who has been narrating books for quite a long time. He's really a wonderful narrator. Here in Tokyo Ueno Station, which is produced by Books on Tape, he reads the character of a ghost. And he does such a lovely job of bringing small moments of humor into the narration of a very otherwise sad and serious story. And in the sadness and in the seriousness, he's able to not just weigh on the difficult things, but really bring to life this character who is, in a time of transition, reflecting back on a remarkable life, even in these four short hours. It's definitely one of the most memorable titles that I listened to this year. So that's just a small sampling of the audio selections from the Editor's Choice List. I do hope you check them all out. And be sure to check out the the top-of-the-list titles as well. Harper Audio's Clap When You Land on the Youth Side, and Books on Tapes girl with a louding voice over for the adults. So thanks a lot.
4: This is Ronnie Curry, Associate Editor, Books for Youth. And I am coming in hot, fresh off of our 2020 Editor's Choice selections. And so I'm here to book talk a little bit about two of my favorites from this past year. And first up, I'm gonna talk about a book called Everything Sad is Untrue written by Daniel Nayeri, published by the fantastic Levine Querido, And this is what they call an autobiographical novel. So it skirts the line between fiction and nonfiction. But it's told by 11-year-old Daniel, and it's about his youth in Iran, which was relatively comfortable up until his mother converted from Islam to Christianity. And the family was forced to flee, so they became refugees, and finally landed in Oklahoma, where their life was a bit more challenging, as you might imagine. And so all of this is told, not really chronologically, but through this kind of whirlwind tapestry of storytelling, with Daniel kind of pulling at the strands of his memory, trying to weave together his identity through these fragments of history, and poetry and mythology and personal stories. And the sum of it all is, is this really like amazing accomplishment that you wouldn't think would work on the page, especially for middle grade, but it does and it's so powerful. So it's a book that I would be genuinely comfortable giving to middle graders as well as adults. So tell your friends, whatever age they may be. The other book that I fell in love with this year is called Black is a Rainbow Color. It's written by Angela Joy, illustrated by Equa Holmes, published by Roaring Brook. And it's essentially a poem about the word black as it refers to black people, black culture, black history. And I don't typically go for poetic picture books personally, but this one is so well done. Uh, It has so many layers of meaning and utility. The poem itself is beautifully done, it's full of references that, while young readers probably won't get them, they're all detailed in the back matter, so it opens up all these doors to different lessons about poetry or history or whatever, um, if you want to use the book in that way. Um, And it also goes into the history of the word black and talks about all the different ways black people have been referred to throughout history which I can say from experience is a lesson that a lot of people at all ages could benefit from. The illustrations are stunning. They're these stained glass-inspired paintings from Holmes. So all of it just works together really beautifully. And I think it's really rare to find a book that is as moving as it is educational. So, you know, A-plus work. And yeah, those are two of my favorite favorites from the year. I hope you'll check them out.
0: Okay, it's your girl, Susan McGuire from the adult book section. And I'm going to talk about a few books from the editor's choice list that really got me in my feelings, but in different ways. So all the feels, as it were. The first is a slim post-apocalyptic queer Western called Upright Women Wanted by Sarah Gailey, which it came out way back in February from Tor. Dang. I mean, this book is okay. So, the scale's engaged. She doesn't want to be engaged. So, she runs away to join the librarians, thinking that, like, a life of the hard Scrabble life delivering quote unquote approved materials will help her atone for uh, what she thinks are her sins. But the librarians are, of course, not at all what they seem. And I talk a lot about how this book is short. Like, it's less than 200 pages. But the author pecks so. Much in there. There are like these huge fight scenes and ambushes and descriptions of this dusty, unforgiving landscape, but there's also this really moving, satisfying, emotional arc and like the cutest little romance. And I cried at the end. It's so gritty, so sweet. Upright Women Wanted by Sarah Gailey. And then When No One Is Watching by Alyssa Cole, which came out in September from Morrow, this one gave me like. Opposite feelings. I am a huge fan of Cole's romances, so I was very excited to try her first thriller. It is dark for sure, but it also delivers on an emotional level, so there is sort of a connection to romance in that way. But basically, a gal returns to a Brooklyn neighborhood. It's rapidly being gentrified. Residents are disappearing as their houses are sold to hipsters who are renovating them. And the narrator is not quite unreliable, but she's definitely troubled. And so you're not really sure if she's actually hearing what she thinks she's hearing. And then the ending, oh my god, the ending is super fast paced, high action. I literally cheered at one point, but I won't mention because it's a spoiler. But a lot of this year's thrillers seem to tackle like societal issues. I mean, I, thrillers often do that. But this year, it seemed like that was like a really big thing among thrillers. And I think when no one is watching, tackling racism and economic inequality is a great example of like a truly thrilling thriller that looks at a larger societal issue. And also, there's some smooching. Bye.
5: Hello, this is Julia Smith, one of the editors for the Books for Youth Department. And... I am here to discuss some of my favorite books from this year's editor's choice list. We had so many wonderful ones to choose from this year. It was an especially strong year, I think, for middle grade fiction, which is what I focused on. But I had favorites across the board, so I'll just jump right in and start with one that probably doesn't need extra praise right now, but I just loved it so much and want everyone to go out and read Skunk and Badger by Amy Timberlake and illustrated by John Klassen. This is an early chapter book that is perfect for grades two to four. Oh, I'm sorry. This was published in September by Algonquin Young Readers. And it's just, it's hilarious and sweet and an amazing friendship story. That's also an odd couple pairing between Skunk and Badger. And Badger is a very grumpy work-minded individual whose world gets shaken up for the better by the more gregarious and outgoing skunk. Next, I will draw attention to Fly on the Wall by Remy Lai, And it was published by Henry Holt this past year. And it is hilarious and perfect for all your Wimpy Kid readers. It's got tons of comics, illustrations, and doodles that Remy has provided in addition to writing just a really great story. Looking at Henry, who feels that his parents and older sister are just very overprotective of him, and he isn't a baby anymore. So to prove this, he comes up with a scheme that goes very awry, to fly from his home in Australia to visit his father in Singapore. It's great, full of hijinks and middle school drama as well. And lastly, I would like to highlight a nonfiction picture book that I think kids will like, but also it is a good choice for older even like teens sort of graduating and about to make their way into the world, I think this could be a good pick for them as well. It is called Girl on a Motorcycle by Amy Novesky and illustrated by Julie Morstad. It was published in September by Viking Books for Young Readers. And it is a beautifully illustrated story of Anne-France Dotheville, Who was the first woman to travel around the world by motorcycle. And it's just full of her adventures and the differences in cultures and people that she meets and just loves learning about all of this. And it just is cast as a very beautiful experience. It has that spirit of wanderlust that I think probably a lot of us are sort of feeling right now since we've been cooped up for most of this year. And so I think that would just sort of let, it takes you out of your homes momentarily to go on this trip with her. And it's really a wonderful choice. So those are my three picks for you and have fun exploring everything else on our list. I'm very proud of it this year. Thank you. Hi, Susan. It's your mother.
6: Just kidding. It's Annie, your colleague in adult books. But that is how my mom starts every voicemail. And this is my book voicemail my Editor's Choice 2020 book voicemail. I am so excited that we started including cookbooks on our Editor's Choice list the last couple years. And I wanted to talk about the two that we chose for this year. Um, I noticed that in my personal life, <laughs> I've been carrying cookbooks around my apartment with me like a security blanket to flip through um, when I'm eating lunch or watching TV at night. I like to just look at them and read them. But also I like to sort of think that I might like undertake one of the more serious projects on the weekend, like maybe something that involves proofing or something, because, you know, in the right circumstances, cooking is a pretty pandemic-friendly plan that we can make. So I chose two cookbooks. I think that they both have that I-want-to-carry-you-around-my-apartment-with-me vibe. They both came highly recommended by our wonderful freelancer viewers. And as much as I love cookbooks and recipes, I also really appreciate anything that equips us to work without a recipe sometimes, And uh, Samin Nosrat's uh, Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat comes to mind. But the first cookbook I chose, I think, really fits that bill. And that is The Flavor Equation, The Science of Great Cooking Explained by Nick Sharma from Chronicle Books. So Sharma, in addition to being a food writer, recipe developer, he's also trained as a molecular biologist. So here he breaks down the elements of flavor, which he defines as the sum of emotion, sight, sound, mouthfeel, aroma, and taste. And there are just tons of charts and diagrams that are fascinating and fun and just really both scientific and readable. I think that people will want to read this straight through and I think they'll think about it, come back to it. So loads of instruction and food for thought as well as, of course, over 100 recipes and gorgeous photographs there. So I think people will love spending time with that book. And the same goes for The Rise, Black Cooks and the Soul of American Food by Marcus Samuelson and Asai Endolin. That's from Little Brown Mauritius Books. Our reviewer called this a celebration of Black culture through food, a must for all readers of culinary history, and an amazing addition to any library collection. And I just have to agree. The authors worked with two recipe developers, Ywande Kamalafe and Tammy Cook, and the result is this just expansive project where they have these biographies of dozens of contemporary black chefs highlighting their culinary contributions. And then the 150 recipes that they have compiled are in celebration of those chefs. So it's just a super conversational, rich and layered book that is, again, gorgeously illustrated, tons of great recipes, but also so readable and, you know, like a culinary history must read. I also just wanted to talk about one novel that I just can't forget, and that's Parakeet by Marie-Helene Bertino from FSG, and I don't really know (laughs) what to tell you about this book besides that I loved it, but in the first sentence we know that the narrator is about to be married and she has been visited by a bird that she's sure is her dead grandmother. And that's just the first sentence. So it was kind of like, I just like fastened my seatbelt and got in, but it's more like I just like, it's more like getting into a warm bath with this book. Like it is a significant departure from the rest of life, but so easy to sink into. It's just this really magical book about love and expectation and what is even real and yeah speaking of what is real I didn't really realize this until you forced me to reflect upon this year but a couple months ago I like saw this adorable stuffed budgie which is another word for parakeet which I didn't know until I read this book so I saw this adorable stuffed budgie parakeet and I just like had to buy it and I bought it and I thought it was just like a funny pandemic purchase and I pretended it was for the cats but like obviously it was for me and now that I think about it I think it was really because of this book so yeah that's why I have a stuffed parakeet and I named her Brigitte. The cats are indifferent to her. So that's it it was such a hard year and I'm so grateful for these books. Bye Susan!
7: Hi, this is Maggie Reagan. I'm an editor in the Books for Youth department, and I am here, like everyone else, to talk about some of my favorite picks from our editor's choice list this year. I have to say that one of the funniest things that I noticed this year is how many double features we have, by which I mean how many people showed up more than once on our editor's choice list this year. I know how publishing works, I know that probably all of these books were written years ago, way before 2020 was even a thought but i was totally side-eyeing all of these people saying i'm lucky if i managed to write half an email every day i don't know how all of you had books coming out two books coming out much less two books that were making our top of the year list so i guess the real trick is going to be seeing who has multiple books coming out in like 2024 just know that i will be watching and I mean, let's be honest, I'm going to be worshipping all of you, just like I'm worshipping all of these people. So the people who showed up multiple times this year who all had amazing books, just like everybody had amazing books, but Candace Fleming had two nonfiction books. It was The Rise and Fall of Charles Lindbergh on our older nonfiction list. And Honey Bee, which was a middle grade picture book nonfiction book, which is kind of a perfect little piece of nonfiction. Christina Zuntrenvatt had our top of the list nonfiction, which was all 13, which I know we were all just incredibly struck by. But then she also had a middle grade fiction book, which was A Wish in the Dark. And Case and Calendar, which everyone knows because it was on the National Book Award list, had King and the Dragonflies, which was middle grade fiction, but then also had Felix Ever After on our YA fiction list this year. So really just kind of an incredible year for some people, especially. I always love taking a look at debuts, and I kind of live in the YA fiction section. So I wanted to just take a minute to give a shout out to some of our incredible YA debuts this year. Because, I mean, just really incredible. So we had Legendborn from Tracy Dion, and The Puppet Master's Apprentice from Lisa DeSelm, and Given from Nandy Taylor. So it was great to have. It's always great to just have a little smattering of debuts on our editor's choice list. So those are some some great ones you should all check out. And then on a final note, I wanted to just call out a couple books that really stuck with me this year. I was in such a reading slump. I probably like phase one of the pandemic, I would say just was really feeling like I was never going to get into anything and I have a Marie Palmer's give me everything you got came along and oh my gosh just pulled me right out of it it's a contemporary historical fiction which is funny because it's that's totally not my jam at all so it's sort of a fluke that I even picked it up but I loved it so much and then just take a moment too for Karen Blumenthal's Jane Against the World which I love Karen Blumenthal this is a YA non-fiction because she's cyber nominated And this is an incredible book. We lost Karen this year, which I know was devastating for a lot of people in the community. So this is actually her final book. And it couldn't have come at a better time. But it is, I think it's really, it's really, she she should have had a lot more books in her. So it's, it's sad that this is her final one. But it is, it's about the history of Roe versus Wade and the importance of Roe versus. Wade, and also just kind of how deeply ingrained the movement and the history behind it is into our culture. So it's a really fascinating read. It's a really teachable book. So, I mean, you can read it for pleasure. You can read it in the classroom. You can read it in pieces. I think it's worth checking out. It's worth checking out for kids. It's worth checking out as an adult. An incredible book. So that is my list. Everybody hang in there. Happy New Year.
0: Well, that's a wrap on this episode of Booklist Shelf Care, the podcast. Thank you to all of the, my fellow Booklist editors for sharing your choices from the editor's choice, of which you can see all in Booklist January issue. Thank you all for listening. Happy New Year and happy reading.